This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. As you know, if you buy LPs, before the internet, records had artwork that included liner notes. These liner notes usually told you everything you wanted to know about an album. Who played on it, who produced, mixed, and mastered it, where it was recorded, etc. When digital downloads became predominant, liner notes were relegated to a PDF file that people might or might not ever open. But with the state of the music industry being all about multiple income streams, information about who worked on a given record is more important than ever. Welcome to the future of what? I'm your host, Portia Sabin, president of the independent record label, Kill Rockstars. Support for the future of what comes from Merch Table. Since 2002, Merch Table has operated and managed online stores for hundreds of successful musicians, record labels, comedians, artists, and small businesses. Big or small, set up shop today by visiting merchtable.com. On today's show, we're talking to two services which have made it their mission to report liner note data, one with crowdsourced information, one with info directly from the labels. Many fans love to know this stuff, but ultimately it should benefit the artists, producers, and other people who make albums happen. Stick around, it's all coming up on The Future of What. Support for the future of what comes from Sound Exchange. You're listening to the future of what. We're talking to Jackie Louie Schorl and Dick Huey from Jaxta.com. Dick and Jackie, welcome to the future of what. Thank you very much. Thank you, Portia. It's really exciting to be here. Thank you for having us. I'm so glad to have you guys. So we, I've known Dick for years, but I met Jackie at South by Southwest this year, and you guys showed me. Jaxta, the sort of prototype website, and I got very excited about it. So why don't you guys explain exactly what the Jaxta platform is meant to do? Yeah, well, I guess the best way to describe Jaxta is what we're really doing is bringing official liner notes back. So if you hop back to the days when you look at a piece of vinyl and be able to find out you know, who played bass on the track, who engineered it, who mastered it, who co-wrote the music, who produced it, that was all in the vinyl sleeve, or as we call them in Australia, jacket, hence the name Jack Stewart's a play on the album jacket. And you think back to CDs, you'd look in the booklet about, you know, who contributed to the release. So what we're doing is we're bringing back official liner notes, an authoritative deep dive database where you can actually go in and find out everything about a recording and who was involved. So it's really about credit where credit's due and shining a light on all of the creatives and contributors that, you know, really makes such an important part of the music of our soundtracks to our lives. Absolutely. And why is this information so important for people to be able to have today? Look, I think first and foremost, without people going into recording studios or writing in their homes or wherever they may be and creating music, there's no music industry. Creatives have to continue to make music to make a functioning industry. And you know, back in the 1800s in, with the Edison Cylinder, they were credited. They were credited as writers. They were credited as session musicians. And today, digital era, you'd be hard-pressed to find this information about anyone that's contributed. But the butterfly effect of this information not being captured appropriately is quite far-reaching. Um, everything from music discovery 
to, you know, even fashion musicians or engineers or producers, it can be challenging for them to get their next gig if people don't know what they've been a part of. So there's two basic levels as to why this information is important. But, you know, it, there's a whole ecosystem that is fed by correct information. Absolutely. Can I add something to that? Yes. Porsche, I know you'll appreciate this. For as many years as I've been involved in digital music, we've talked about the possibility, both at digital music services and elsewhere, of trying to be able to drill down on, for instance, who's in a band and what other what other projects have they been involved in? Mm-hmm. You know, in independent music, that's that's really important and something that, you know, we feel like this product, you know, really grows a long way toward addressing. And then also, I would mention that, you know, in particular, some of the producers and engineers that I've mentioned this to get so excited when they hear about this product. They get excited because they're often misattributed. In fact, I was speaking to one producer who shall remain nameless on the uh, interview who was talking about a particular record that he is always credited for being involved with. It's a very well-known record. And it drives him crazy because he didn't record that record. He recorded the second record. (laughs) But two good examples of of where this kind of a product really, you know, addresses sort of a long-standing market need, you know, for individuals and also for labels with strong brands and, and bands with strong brands where people might be interested in exploring further but just don't really have the facility to do that right now. And there are two other really good reasons I can think of. One is that in the streaming age, which is where we find ourselves now, the music business has become so fragmented that artists, producers, composers, engineers, everybody's getting their money from these individual pieces that they're putting together. So you have your streaming income and you have your publishing income and you have your, you know, you have these little pieces that you have to keep track of. So for individuals to get paid properly, you know, it's harder for them today than ever before because you're, you're really tracking little teeny bits of money here and there. And often if people are not properly credited on an album, then, I mean, you can think I mean, I always think of the number of writers on some of the pop songs, the pop hits, you know, the, just the sheer number of people involved in producing one of those pop hits, you know, to make sure that all those people get paid, they have to be properly credited. And if they're not properly credited, we don't know who is eligible for what money. So that's important, you know, to the to everybody in the ecosystem. The other thing that's a little bit less well-known, and I just happen to know it because I'm on the board of the Recording Academy and I've had to help people with this, is if you want to become a member of the Recording Academy so that you can vote for the Grammys, which is absolutely open to you know anyone who's a professional musician or producer, engineer, people in the music business, which is a good thing for people to do, and we want more people to do that because we want more people voting for the Grammys, you need to show your credits. And often people's credits are just missing. You can't find them on the internet. And that's a huge, enormous gap. Completely agree. And you look, I'm, I'm married to a songwriter, record producer. My, my father was a drummer. My mother was an amateur singer. So I unfortunately did not inherit any talent in that area whatsoever. <laughs> but I'm surrounded by a lot of musical talent. And, you know, I see firsthand, standing at the coalface with my husband, how not being you know, appropriately attributed to a track can have an, a negative effect and yet a positive effect on someone's career. Those credits are so incredibly important 
And, you know, if you compare us to the film or television industry, there's a credit role at the end of a film. There's a credit role at the end of a television series. It shouldn't have been taken away in the music industry and why it was, you know, why it happened without there ever being a conversation is, is another, you know, topic altogether. I think it's important to address two portions that we're not touching song splits in any way. So our database is purely about who played what, you know, who contributed to the track, where was it produced, what studio was it recorded in, was it recorded in three different studios because vocals were recorded in London and the, the writers wrote it in a studio in LA and then somebody else, you know, was sent the stems and recorded it, you know, finished the track in New York because that's what can happen with music because it's collaboration, the magic of it. But yeah, we, we're not touching song flutes and I think that's important tonight. We're purely about the liner notes that you would get on vinyl. We're just making it a deep dive. So you have the ability to, to find out, you know, who mastered or engineered the album, click on their name and then go down the rabbit hole of what else have they worked on and who have they worked with. It's, uh, I mean, look, I'm, I'm biased because it's effectively my baby, but when you start clicking, which we did for Beta at the beginning of the year, it's honestly so exciting. You can get so lost. We can literally lose hours just clicking and searching and discovering that this person worked with that person and, oh, my God, they collaborated over here. Did you know that they worked with Ryan Adams? And, oh, my God, they worked with, you know, the December. It's, it's, it's so exciting. Yeah. The other thing that makes your Jaxta stand out from other platforms that I think is really, really important is that, you know, one of the weird things about the Internet is it became this kind of, you know, you think of Wikipedia, like it became this hub of crowdsourcing information, right. right? And so as a result, it's not necessarily correct. And the people who are uploading it, if you're just a fan and you're putting in the information from your, you know, the back of your jacket that you're reading, you don't have a stake in it, but you guys are doing it differently, right? Yeah, we are. I mean, we've, uh, I think that music is, it's and I've kind of did a little bit of a tally. We realized we've surpassed 1,100 uh, presentations to the industry. So what, what's been really important to us is to make sure that we establish really strong relationships within the industry from our own network and then also building the relationships. So what we're doing is we're getting the data directly from the source, from the custodians of the liner notes and that information. So we go directly to labels, directly to publishers, directly to industry associations, and we get a, a feed of their data directly into our system. So it's not crowdsourced information. It's as accurate as it can possibly be. And I think that's a really important point of difference. Yeah. And, and I also think it's good because it gives people, you know, the people who have a stake in it are now involved in the process. So they care and, they, and they're concerned that your data is clean. And I feel like, you know, this is a huge topic right now in the music industry is this notion of clean data, not just, you mm. know, liner note data as we're talking about, but, you know, metadata. And there's a whole thing going on in the United States right now about a bill was introduced to create, you know, a, a publishing database that would be comprehensive and in a way that has never existed before in the industry. I mean, there's just a real interest right now in metadata and data in general and the cleanliness of such. So I think it's really interesting that you guys are, are trying to provide a service that would draw from the sources rather than, you know, the man on the street. Well, also, too, when you, I mean, look, obviously, you, you know firsthand with Kill Rockstars, a, a lot of love, a, a lot of work, a lot of sacrifices, you know, running a label is not easy. And no one would be more committed to make sure that you have the correct information. 
than the label or the publishers of those artists and those bands. So it makes sense to get the information directly from the source. But also, too, we're creating a new revenue stream for our data partners. And as far as we're aware, it's the first time that they'll actually be making a new revenue stream from liner note data, which I think is also important, too. So, you know, the idea being that that money goes back into the label, back into the publishing company, back into the industry association so that they have the ability to increase their own network and, and put more money back into A&R and, and developing artists and acts that they currently have on their roster. And thinking about what Jackie just said, you know, it's a, it's a very strange thing that when digital music transitioned from physical to digital, that the liner notes just sort of disappeared. You know, liner notes have been addressed in pieces by some of the digital music services over the years. There have been special products that are available that have, that have allowed, you know, for instance, to put out a PDF. But really, in general, this is a whole piece of the identity of a record that has just sort of gone away or just not followed us. And the idea that we at Jaxta can bring that back along with a revenue stream attached to it is really, really exciting because it speaks to the idea that music is not a commodity. It's a very personal thing. Each individual piece of music is very personal. It has a large number of people who are involved with it. And I think today it's very typical for younger people, for instance, to think that music just sort of gets made in somebody's bedroom somewhere and it just gets put out on the Internet, and sometimes that's the case. But in probably the majority of other cases, there's a huge number of people who are behind it who just are sort of missing from the process and the identification of the music. I used to go out and buy records because of who the producer was or because of who, you know, who I knew mixed it or mastered it, for instance. And I'm an obsessive, but there are a lot of other people like that, too. There are. I, I work with many of them. <laughs>
was Look Away by Deerhoof. If you're enjoying this program, please subscribe to our show on iTunes and leave us a review. To find out what's coming up next, follow us on Twitter at KRSFOW.
Want an even closer look at issues we talk about on the show? Our monthly newsletter will keep you informed about news, upcoming events, episodes, and more. You'll also have access to exclusive offers and behind-the-scenes looks. Sign up at killrockstars.com slash thefutureofwhat and win a Future of What t-shirt. Take a moment after our show to check out the Modern Vinyl Podcast. The show offers colorful conversations about music and insightful criticism that goes beyond the surface noise. Find out more at modern-vinyl.com and listen on your favorite podcast app or through jabberjawmedia.com. You're listening to The Future of What. We're talking to Jackie Louie Schorl and Dick Huey from jaxta.com. Jackie, tell me your vision of who do you think is going to use Jaxta? I think everybody's going to use Jaxta. I think fans of music, whether they are diehard fans like us three or, you know, they're just generic fans of music, will will use Jaxta. When you search something, you Google it. Now, you know, vision and dream is that when you want to find something music-related, you'll Jaxta it. I also think for the music industry, everyone from, you know, particularly songwriters, producers, you know, the creators of the music, artists, session musicians, they'll use it. But the whole industry will use it, whether you're A&R at a label or you work in touring or, you know, you're a lawyer that, that works for, for a band or an artist, you'll use it. If you're a music supervisor, if you're a film producer, editor or director, you'll use it because you'll be trying to find out information about music and figure out what you want to put in your episode working with a music supervisor. Advertising agencies will use it. Everything from DMSs and DSPs, so, you know, the Spotify's of the world to, you know, different search engines around the world will use this information. So I think it will become a really important industry nexus of information that will help fans with their discovery but will also help the industry, you know, be more fluid and also more efficient. Our goal with this Porsche is that we'll hopefully save any industry professional a minimum of 30 minutes to up to two and a half hours a day just because of the bulk of information that we will have at your fingertips. I mean, I can see it from my perspective, and I'll give you a good example of how this would, would be helpful. So let's say I'm a record executive, like I am, and I'm sitting at my desk on the internet, and I get an email, and somebody's interested in licensing a song from an album that we put out 10 years ago, and they want to know the publishing name of a song, you know, the seventh song on this record. Right. Right. Now I can either get up from my desk, walk to the, you know, big wall of CDs, mm-hmm. find the CD if it's there, open it up. Hopefully, you know, I'll be able to find that information. It would make my life a lot easier. And a lot of times we try to be perfect, but we don't have that CD on the shelf. And I don't know exactly the answer to that question. Mm-hmm. It would be incredibly helpful to have a website to go to where I could just type it in and boom, there's the information. And how great will it be when you can send that URL link to somebody else and go, here you go. And I had a situation recently where my husband, Louis, had co-written and produced a song. It was performed on television here in Australia and immediately a major network in Australia wanted to sync the song for a really good promo. So I had a, a person from licensing of a record label call me because they knew that I knew the co-writers on the song and the managers. And like, Jack, do you know who co-wrote the song for me and who they're publishing this with? And you know, because we had that personal relationship, it was really easy to give this person all the information they needed. But I loved that when we finished, you know, passing through all the information, she said, God, I can't wait for Jackson to be live. 
this is going to save me so much time. And it was such a, it was such a great feeling to think that just that simple act of having the information as to who the songwriters are and then for her to be able to see who they're publishing is with and then to see who their PROs are, that, would, that whole thing would have saved her over an hour and a half of pain. She's just been able to look it up in JAXA. Exactly. That's the stuff I'm so excited about. It's going to save, and I think this whole point of saving industry professionals' time can't be underrated because, I, I look, I'm biased. I've worked in film and television and I, I work in the music industry, which I'm deeply passionate about and love. But when you come to the creative arts, I think you're hard-pressed to find people that are, are more committed. I mean, look, obviously I'm going to be ticking off lawyers and doctors and politicians around the world, but we're committed. We work really, really, really long hours. You know, when, when you get into music, it, it's more about the love of, of music than anything else. You know, there are shows to go to most nights. There's, you know, it doesn't stop. It's a global industry. I mean, speaking for myself, I work seven days. I wouldn't have it any other way because I love it. But, you know, to be able to save anywhere from half an hour to two and a half hours in your day, it's a blessing. Absolutely. It's such a blessing. Yeah. And it's needed. Yeah. There's another side to this, which Jackie touched on a minute ago, and that's really the, so there, there are really two kinds of music consumers. There's, you know, a very engaged music consumer, and we've already identified that the three of us are pretty firmly ensconced in that camp. There's also the much less engaged music consumer. Unfortunately, I guess, is probably a much larger percentage than the very engaged music consumer. So really the entire focus right now of digital music is around finding ways not only to rope in the really, really engaged consumers, but to create playlists, for instance, for less engaged consumers who just want to turn something on and listen to it. The information that, that we're assembling as individual fields versus a big huge block of text that can't be parsed out in individual fields. It's all data that can help determine what the best song is to hear next. So I have, I've listened to, you know, pick a track, like a Bikini Kill track, and I want to know what the next song is that I ought to play. The more data that I have to input into that decision, the more likely it is that I'm going to be able to determine the best next song because I'll look for correlations like... Is there a producer correlation between the next song I want to play? Is there an engineer correlation? So we really feel like the, the product sort of addresses both sides of the market, hmm. the engaged and the non-engaged consumer. Absolutely. And there's going to be a price point, right, that people are going to, you're going to have to actually become a subscriber to Jaxta? The bulk of the site will be public-facing and free, but there is a Jaxta Pro side to it where you get a lot more you know, detailed information which will be a subscription-based membership, and we will be we will be vetting members. It won't you won't just be able to sign up to it and, and buy a membership. We have to know that you do indeed work in our beloved industry. So, yeah, that there is going to be a subscription part to it. But the information that we give is going to be so great. And also, too, we've made sure. I know I'm biased. I know I sound like a proud mum. <laughs> We're going to be making sure that it's affordable, and I think that's really important as well because, you know, when we're starting out in this industry or even if you're established, some reports that come out annually from our industry are prohibitively expensive, and some memberships to other platforms that exist, whether it's peers or industry-related, are also prohibitively expensive, and we'd rather have people using it, getting the information they need, being able to move on and be more effective than make it, you know, an exclusive club that, that people can't get access to because it's twice to the point that is 
affordable for everyone. Just to add to that, you know, part, part of the reason for the subscription and, and the idea of vetting people is that some of the information that we want to make available in the subscription product is information that you, you might not want to share with everybody. You know, n- not everybody needs to know how to get in touch with management for the Decembrists, for instance, or whoever the band is. But it certainly is of use to individuals within the music industry. So, you know, that's a, a point of differentiation, I think, that we're looking to put into the product. Hey, did I, I, I have to tell you, did I ever tell you about the Decembrists and how they had a really important part to play in JAXA? No. So when I finished working in the film industry and I transitioned over to music, I was headhunted to go and work at EMI. And the Decembrists were the first band that I was given as a label manager to work on. And I had to write a marketing report on them. And Portia, you know, Dick knows this. I have to say that prior to working at EMI, I'd been in a little bit of a, a music igloo where really the music I listened to was mostly pop, jazz and classical. And when I went to EMI, my whole world exploded because I was exposed to so much music. And I wasn't as familiar with the Decembrists as I should have been. So I spent six and a half hours researching the band. This was back in 2006 when MySpace was everything and Ask Jeeves was the number one search engine that so gives you an idea <laughs> of, you know, what, what tools I had to play with. Okay. I hadn't been given the best collateral from head office, so I really, really wanted to do a deep dive on, on the band and know everything about them. And we had a very, very small marketing budget, and that Thursday I had to go in and pitch the band to the, the sales and promo team and it was their beautiful release Over Valencia which I became obsessed with that album I played it every day I drove everyone in the office insane <laughs> but I I actually won them a spot and at the time we were also releasing Coldplay's um, XY album and I think there was a big Keith, uh, Keith Urban release or Paul Kelly release that was going into the market but I pitched that album with so much passion that we got airtime on Triple J and we had the best release for the Decembrists that we've had to date in the Australian marketplace. Wow. So I went home that week and I said to my husband, I said to Louis, how come we don't have an IMDb for music? I should be able to look all of this information up on IMDb. I should know who every single band member is and what position in the band they play because I, I wanted to be well-versed in the band. And uh, that's really what started me thinking about Jaxa. Wow. Isn't that cool? That is cool. Love it. Yeah. I just wanted to share that with you because um, I think it's important. You guys have have a, a bigger role to play in this than you, than you realize. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank God. I appreciate it. I know. Great. So when are you guys planning on launching Jaxta? We plan to be in live beta, with, aka soft launch, in the last quarter of this year and then do a, a more official public-facing launch in the first quarter of next year. So the pressure is on Porsche. The pressure is on. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Anything else you can think of, Dick, that we didn't touch on? Really just, I guess the only part that I want to add is just this idea that we're not, the music business is not in a world where, where less data is important. We're at, we're at a, a point in the development of music where it's all about more data. It's about independent record labels, independent publishers, major record labels and publishers, cleaning up their digital data, correcting their digital data, and making it available for products that are already hitting the marketplace. You know, things like, things like the Echo, things like 
you know, in, in Apple's demonstration a couple months ago of the, of the new HomePod, you know, they specifically talked about, they specifically asked the, the device in the demonstration, who's playing the drums on this track, Siri? You know, those kinds of uses of data and music are increasingly getting married together and are, you know, really creating a groundswell of opportunity, we think, for an official service that, that can provide this kind of information and be connected directly to the labels and to the publishers who bands who make the who make the information so that's why we want to do it and, and here we go well i'm excited for it you guys i mean i it i know that it's going to save me and the people in my office a lot of time to have access to this information all in one place because it's the type of stuff that we actually use every day and always need so i'm excited thanks for making it on behalf of me and our, our <laughs> office at least Dick and Jackie, thank you so much for coming on The Future of What today. Thank you so much for having us, Portia. It's been a pleasure.
That was Bulletin of the International String Figure Association by Kinski. You're listening to The Future of What? If you're enjoying this program, like us on Facebook and become a subscriber on iTunes. Support for The Future of What? comes from Merch Table. Kill Rockstars has partnered with Merch Table for almost six years now, and they've come through for us in a lot of ways. Like when the comedian Kurt Brownoller wanted a face towel with his face on it? Merch Table found a way to make this, and it's been one of our most popular items in our mail order store. KRS loves Merch Table. You're listening to The Future of What? We're talking to Nick Kinlock of Discogs.com. Nick, welcome to The Future of What? Hi. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate I appreciate you coming to us all the way from Scotland. It seems like a long journey for... <laughs> <laughs> long journey from electrons. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> exactly. So why don't you give us a quick overview of what Discogs is? Yeah, sure. Um, Discogs started out as a database, actually started out as an electronic music database uh, back in 2000. By, uh, Kevin started it up. And yeah, we were focused very much on electronic music, obviously centered around dance music at that time. But the the database has then grown and grown into uh, other genres. Uh, so the database itself is basically user built. So it's kind of like Wikipedia in the sense that anybody can go along and contribute to it. And that's how we've we've managed to get all our build all our databases has all been user contributed data. And what was the impetus for creating this database? I mean, what was Kevin thinking when he thought, wow, what we really need on the internet is a place where you can go and look at every album that's ever been made in detail? <laughs> yeah, really, it was uh, a couple of things. It was mainly uh, cataloging what he had in his record collection and then sharing that with people and then also finding out the other records that were not in his collection that he would be interested in as well. So that was really the driving force, I guess, is actually that sharing of information and kind of exploration of what was out there, what is out there in terms of recorded music. And what's interesting about Discogs, I mean, we use Discogs in our office all the time because for exactly that reason, to to sort of, you know, oh, this person was in this band, were they also in this other band, you know, kind of tracking things. But you also have a lot of version information on there, which is really, you know, that's for like real diehards, people who care about like what pressing an album had. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, it gets pretty deep. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's, uh, it's certainly something that we want to uh, help people with is, you know, to find that version or to you know, there's kind of different levels of, uh, I guess, in, uh, record collectors or music enthusiasts. So, you know, everyone's kind of got their own particular niche or the particular thing that they want to be collecting. So, you know, I mean, there's there's somebody out there that just collects the White Album. <laughs> you know, we've certainly I've spoken to a number of contributors that have just interested in one particular artist, and that's they collect that artist and they want like all the versions, they want all the unusual stuff by that artist so you know that's one side of it another side of it is yeah somebody you know you just want a, like a Jimi hendrix lp or whatever and you know you're kind of you know you're not particularly bothered if it's a spanish version or it's the uk version that reissue or whatever so yeah trying to cater to all of that is, is uh you know it's really interesting because yeah i mean some some records that i mean the, the big major popular ones let's say dark side of the moon 
I don't know where it's at now. It's maybe like 500 different versions of that release. That's mm. a lot. Yeah, absolutely. So the other part of Discogs that's cool is that there's this marketplace so people can buy and sell the copies that they do have. And there's like a want list you can click on. So if you're looking for something in particular, you can sort of put yeah. that out there. And if somebody in, you know, Alaska or Australia has a copy, they might get back to you and say, hey, I've got this. And is the the marketplace, does that function sort of like, does that go through you guys or is that direct, like person to person? That That's person to person. So we basically just facilitate that that connection, I guess, and and yeah, so it, it's it could be like a record collector to another record collector, or it could be. We also have uh, a lot of record stores as well who are are hooked into the system as well, and they will do a, a reasonable amount of their business through Discogs. Uh, you know, again, just being able to let that collector find that version that they want, find the release that they want, and you know, be able to do that quickly, and then be able to, uh, as you say. With the want list feature is is really really useful on Discogs. So the want list feature was there before the marketplace, and you know that was something that was, I guess, just super important to as a record collector. I mean, before that, so when I joined Discogs in two thousand and two, I had like my want list was on. I had that on a notepad <laughs> on my on you know like a, a text file on my computer, and it was literally just you know listing out the records that I wanted. So like Discogs, immediately I kind of got found something I was looking for on Discogs. Obviously, I couldn't buy it at that time. We didn't have the marketplace then. But then I could start like building my want list on Discogs and then managing it there. And it was like, you know, it's a lot, lot easier than trying to type stuff out on a text file on your computer. Okay. So, yeah, the want, want list is super, super, super important. So the, yeah, as you touched on there, the, the 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 really interesting part is when you've got something in your, in your want list, and then somebody else sells it anywhere in the world, then you'll actually get a notification from the site that it, it's up for sale. So it's like an automatic process. So yeah, it's kind of really efficient way of, of for people to uh, find what they're wanting. Absolutely. So something that I noticed about your marketplace is. That, you know, people talk a lot, I mean, it's been a huge subject lately, this this sort of resurgence of vinyl, but Discogs is in an interesting position since you guys have been around 17 years. You know, when I look at your formats, there are literally three times the number of vinyl albums on your site than CD. Right. And that's just, that's just a really interesting figure. So there's right now there's 8,200,000 CDs available. There's 25 million vinyl records. Right. So, I mean, that's very significant. That's not just like a bump. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but certainly the the vinyl seller and the vinyl collector are, I would say, the core of what Discogs is. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, uh, you know, and as you say, the resurgence in, in recent years certainly has helped that but i think there's always been a, a a pull towards vinyl for a lot of people and especially these days where you know everything's digital everything is you know it's almost intangible where you've got a, a piece of vinyl and you know you can you can t i can pick up some records that i've got and you know i can know 
how old they are, how many times I've listened to it, you know, because of the surface noise and because of those imperfections. That is not to say, though, that, you know, other formats, uh, CD, for example, you know, are, is something else that, in actual fact, is kind of going away because, you know, obviously streaming and it's, uh, I guess the thing is, you know, most people are, are just streaming these days uh, or before that downloading. And that's that's very much intangible, whereas a CD is still a tangible object. Um, you still get, you know, nice booklets and things with CD sometimes or, you know, it's just it's still a, a physical thing. So, yeah, CD, CD's uh, definitely up there as well. And obviously uh, all the other really interesting formats, cassettes, have had a boost recently and uh, people have kind of got back into cassettes and they're uh, really enjoying them. And, yeah, all the other interesting 8-track and reel-to-reel and uh, all kinds of wacky formats. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that. It's funny. Yeah. So another cool thing about Discogs is your community. So you you kind of are this, uh, I don't know, central point for a whole bunch of people who are wacky record collector types to to get together and talk. And I noticed there are 3,259 different groups <laughs> on Discogs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's also really cool because it's it looks, I mean, I don't know, do you guys do any monitoring of groups or is it all just sort of self governed because i noticed there's lots of languages on here i mean these are clearly people from just all over the world lots of languages or lots of language (laughs) (laughs) i didn't notice the language but yes definitely lots of languages (laughs) yeah um the groups we we let the users for the most part build them and and you know organize themselves and 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 manage that yeah it's not it's not something that we are, are able to spend a huge amount of time on and yeah so it's it's good that people can just start up a group and yeah like you say that they want to uh, start a japanese group or, or whatever and be able to you know speak with other collectors on that particular thing or you know yeah a subject or or any kind of thing yeah so what would you say that you as the chief product officer what do you spend most of your time doing uh, yeah well at the moment we're just really trying to continue to evolve the whole discogs platform um, you know, to to make it easier to use, uh, to bring kind of more information in in front of people. So uh, yeah, a big project that we're is in beta beta right now, but we've been working on for a while is tracks, where we're actually extracting all the individual tracks from a release. So like maybe if I rewind a little bit uh, on Discogs, the release is is like the 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 fundamental piece of information that we we put into the database is like that release so it's that exact seven inch or that exact lp or whatever that you've got in front of you and a part of that is the track listing and at at the moment the track listing is is just a list of tracks it's basically plain text so you know that's that's all fine and the releases work really well but there's kind of there's no way of really extracting all those tracks so let's say you like a particular artist let's say you like elvis there's no way of finding all the tracks that elvis has done and then start to kind of dig into that so the the tracks project is attempting to extract all of that information extract all the tracks and then to a certain extent automatically match them together and then list them out in an order whatever order you like we've got a number of options right now let's say alphabetical order for for all the tracks that elvis has done and then you can see like the tracks you've got in your collection or your want list or maybe you'll discover tracks that you didn't know about at all that you've done 
And yeah, so we, we want to continue developing that to kind of link tracks then into compositions. Obviously, again, using that, might as well stick with Elvis. There'll be songs that Elvis has sung on that will also have been done by other people. So, you know, you kind of want to link all of that together, to link the composers together, to really kind of get that whole side of musicology into the information, into what people can actually browse through. And, yeah, just kind of let people discover new music. Do you guys ever have plans to also put in all the musicians that played on a given song? Well, that's that's part of the release information, is you can put in credits for the people that appeared on the record. So, yes, for, for in, as far as the tracks go, that would be a development for sure. Would be We could extract those credits as well, match them up with the tracks, you know, build out the credit list for each track. Yeah, there's a whole pile of, of stuff that we can do there. Cool. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a, it's a lot of information. Like, I think we've got around about 150 million tracks. Wow. And, yeah, some of those tracks will have maybe 20 credits on each track. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot of credits. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, it's 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 kind of one of these it's it's one of these things that you know computers are are great for doing this. Is what they're built for is to deal with you know huge amounts of information like this. I mean, we've got nearly nine million releases in the database, so you know to extract those tracks and to build out all this information um, is, is is really exciting for us. And yeah, keep keep your eyes peeled on on the site because we'll be. At the moment, it's we've only launched it to a limited number of people. We're getting feedback, but we're we're looking to push that out to everybody really, really soon. Fantastic. Well, Nick Kinlock, Chief Product Officer at Discogs, thanks so much for being with me on the Future of What today. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. And that's our show. The music we played today was used by permission. You heard Kinski, Deerhoof, and of course, our theme song, Mind Your Own Business by the Delta Five. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and leave us a review. For more info on our shows, check out our website at killrockstars.com slash the future of what and sign up for our newsletter. Our program was engineered by Brent Asbury at Beta Petrol and is produced by Will Watts and Anna McLean. I'm Portia Sabin, president of Kill Rockstars. See you next week. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.